you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waits, the Fearless Business Coach. We've got an amazing guest with us today. I'm just going to hit record on my camera as well. We've got an amazing guest with us today in Barbara Turley, who is an investor, entrepreneur, and founder and CEO of The Virtual Hub, which is a business she started out by complete accident, exploded in the space of 12 months to become one of the leading companies that recruits, trains, and manages virtual assistants. So welcome to the show, Barbara. Thanks so much, Robin. Thanks for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. Um, you talk about something called um, a lean business model. I'm really curious to know a little bit more about that. Sure. I mean, look, it's a concept that's been around for a very long time. It wasn't, wasn't me who coined the phrase. I'd love to say I wrote the book, but I didn't. Um, but one of the things I've been talking a lot about recently, um, which you know, uh, a, a lot of coaches like yourself or consultants, et cetera, should be talking to their own clients about and thinking about for their own business, is that in the last 10 years, I mean, we've had probably 15 years, amazing amounts of digital transformation. You know, we're all moving online. Digital has been huge. And then in the, in the last year, in this pandemic that we've been in, we've had another 10 years of digital transformation happen in about six months flat. But one of the key areas that I feel is still something that's not looked at enough is the resourcing around your human capital, you know, so the asset that is your people. Now, obviously, larger companies will, will try to look at this, and but it, it also applies to um, if, you're, if you're just a solopreneur, you're working by yourself, doesn't matter whether you're working on your own or whether you have a larger team. It's thinking about how you and or members of your team are actually spending their time. And what you find is studies have been done um, on this by, you know, uh, Harvard Business Review and various other studies where they found that, you know, 30 to 40 percent of any executive's time. And, and I would hazard that any of us running businesses would class ourselves in the executive sort of category. Um, 30 to 40 percent of your time is generally being taken up with stuff that is easily delegatable, um, is quite process driven um, and should be done by somebody else. Now, the next layer down from that is saying, well, now that we're all virtual anyway, and, and lots of, of, of the viewers today and the listeners are probably always been in a virtual or remote type scenario, we're working online, working from home, etc. But these days, everybody's remote. So does it matter whether you're in the next room, the next house, the next state, country, or across the world? Not really. We've all been trained now to work in a very remote environment. And therefore, it's time to really start thinking about places like the Philippines, where our uh, company is obviously based, um, and, and outsourcing to not just the Philippines, but finding talent that is um, lower cost than you or members of your team to do these types of, I'm not going to use the word low value because every task is valuable in any business, but, you know, tasks that you shouldn't be spending your time doing. And that is the next layer of this lean business model that is now a topic of conversation for every business, particularly as the economy starts to try to come out of the the slump that we're in, you know, it's going to be up to the business community to kind of bring the, the global economy back once the pandemic finishes, you know, so it's a very important topic. 
So you heard it here first, people. One of the first things you need to be doing is doing a bit of a time audit and working out which tasks uh, are systemizable and process-driven that you could potentially look to outsource and save yourself up to 30 to 40% of your your time each and every day, each week. Um, You mentioned there about um, using virtual assistants from overseas. Obviously, a lot of people have some trepidation about this, but um, places like the Philippines, they speak better English probably than you you or I can a lot of the time. So language isn't necessarily a barrier. But what are some of the common sort of um, worries, concerns that people have? And how do you sort of um, encourage them to overcome those worries? Yeah. So the first thing to say, because there will be people listening and watching this going, I tried that. It was a disaster. It's not simple. Right. So it's 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 not an easy thing to get right. And the, the fears that people have are not necessarily some, you know, um, people who in my position will say, oh, you shouldn't worry about any of these things. Well, that's not true because you should. So let's deal with the English one first. I have people on my team, seriously, who speak better English than me. Right. They're, sometimes they come out with words. I'm like, Wow, that's a big word. <laughs> you know, like so in the Philippines, there are people with extraordinarily good levels of English. However, there are a lot of people in a country with 100 million people. You've got to be very careful because, yes, English is a concern. And, and one of the first things that we're doing in our business when we're hiring people is, you know, our English tests are so high, it's almost painful to get through them because you have to have that as the first layer of checking before you check anything else, you know, how's the grammar, how's the the written English, the verbal English, et cetera. And the other concerns that people have again um, are things like trust, like what happens if this person, you know, runs away with all my data? Well, my answer to that typically is that you, you really, that's a fear that you have regardless of where you go. So that's not um, particularly associated with the Philippines or anywhere else, somebody in the next room from you or like living down the street working from you for you could do the same thing. So it's about thinking about that in a more holistic business way. And there are tools and strategies out there to help you to protect your data, your systems, you know, even simple things like using LastPass, which is a password vault, you know, so Getting um, up to speed on the types of security measures that any business should have helps you to alleviate that problem. So while it's it's not something you shouldn't be concerned about, it's not necessarily something that is um, just for uh, you know the Philippines. Then the big elephant in the room when you're working with offshore VAs. Let's be honest, we've all had heard the stories about. Um, either they do the work and you have to do it all again yourself or they say they did the work and actually the work wasn't done or the third big one is well they said they were working and then they disappeared and I never heard from them again and so those stories are real those things definitely happen Um, it's unpacking all of that one of the best ways obviously recruiting the right people is very very important and then managing them properly but what I see happening is that when you're dealing with a country a culture like the Philippines it's a yes culture and sometimes you bring on people and they say they can do lots of things and actually they can't really and then they become completely overwhelmed and they might just run a mile rather than actually tell you they weren't able to do it. So this is the going AWOL thing or finding out that the work actually didn't get done because maybe they were trying to call friends to figure out how to do it in the first place because they said yes. So it's being very, very aware of that. You've got to actually do some testing with people to make sure that they have the skills that they said they had. Um, And and again, that comes down to your recruitment strategy uh, a lot. And the final one is, you know, people making mistakes. 
you know, that can be a skill issue or a will issue, or it can be a process issue. So for example, a lot of people are like, um, they, they know how they do something themselves, but they're very, um, they're not good at articulating to somebody else how they would like it done. And of course, when it's your business, particularly if you're a solopreneur, for example, you know how you like things done. Um, you have a way of doing stuff. And it's about being able to build systems and processes within your business that can be delegated to somebody else. And rather than putting that accountability onto the someone else, that actually is your responsibility as the business owner or as the leader of a team. Uh, it does require leadership. Uh, you have to remember that these people at the end of the day are an assistant who's there to assist you, not necessarily to develop strategies for you or processes. And those are the big ones, really. They, they tend to be the big, the big fails. Yeah. Well, the, the one I always I, I, I take away from that and which I always encourage um, uh, fearless crew to take on board is to make sure that when you're delegating something, delegate responsibly, don't delegate responsibility because that's often where things go wrong. If you don't know how Absolutely. to systemize it and you don't know what your process is, if you're not clear on that and it's not well documented, how do you expect somebody else to actually take on that responsibility and do a good job with it. Um, so you yeah. you um, you mentioned one app there, LastPass. Um, th there, there's a whole gamut of different apps which people can use. Which which ones would you say are, are your favourite apps um, that small sure. business owners can integrate into their business? Yeah. So now, full disclosure, LastPass can be a little bit irritating, right? The first time I used it many years ago, I was like, ah, oh, this thing, I don't know. And you can get caught up in it. There are other tools like it, but I think the first step is thinking about if it's just you and the business um, and now you're starting to bring on other people, regardless of where they are, you need to start thinking about security first. And it doesn't, not about not trusting people. It's about just having a business that is, you know, nicely ring fenced. So do start to educate yourself around stuff like LastPass, for example. Um, also, so, uh, obviously tools, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of, uh, I think they call it Workspace now. It used to be G Suite, but anyway, Google Workspace, apart from the fact that they keep changing the name. Um, but collaboration tools like uh, G Suite are fantastic because you can collaborate. It's live collaboration on Google Docs, Google Sheets, et cetera. And there's no, none of this, oh, that's saved somewhere in my drive or I can't find it. It's in the Dropbox somewhere. There's none of that. It just gets rid of all of those problems. Um, the third big one is to use a project management tool. So a lot of the place I see people going wrong is people who try to do task management with a VA, for example, or a team using email. It is an absolute disaster. Email is not a tool that should be used to deliver instructions. You need to use a tool. There's free ones like Asana. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Asana. We've been a user for many years, but there's obviously Trello, there's Teamwork PM, and, and there's more advanced ones thereafter. Now, for me, those would be the starting point of anybody looking to um, run a team or run projects or start to delegate um, effectively. Uh, there's, there's a ton of other ones, obviously Zoom, you know, is a huge one. Uh, another great one that I find invaluable is Loom. If you haven't heard of Loom, it is great if you're trying to delegate tasks and you want to record a video of yourself doing it. It's very quick and easy and you can, you know, just attach the link into your Asana tasks and stuff like that. So th those would be the sort of top four or fives that I think uh, definitely getting started with, um, I would recommend anyway.
I, I, I totally agree with that. Loom's such a great way just within like two or three minutes. If somebody's kind of, you know, we, we do a lot of, you know, work on the podcast around sort of Canva and editing and stuff like that. But just to be able to say, actually, no, when it comes to the text, do you just do this, this and this and quick do a quick screen record and then just download or, as you say, cut and paste that link into your, yeah. uh, we use ClickUp actually. That works quite nicely. Yeah, that's um, really good. Of, and and look, if I could just share, you know, when you're trying to give feedback to someone and you're like, oh, I need to jump on a call and organize that and give feedback or you're trying to write stuff it's painful right loom jump on just speak your speak your feedback point and click and show things and it just makes it really clear for the other person as well they, they quite quite enjoy it and then you don't have to be on the same time zone even to do to do that yeah. that's it or even using things like slack and whatsapp and stuff like that and just doing a quick voice note you know a, a voice note yeah. speaks a thousand written words and a picture speaks a thousand you know and and a video is just yeah. like the ultimate isn't it if you can find a way now to a tip nice though easy. just a tip for everyone though on on things like voxer or or what WhatsApp using the voice uh, recording, especially when you're dealing with offshore. Um, I mean, you know, you're English, I'm Irish. I have a habit of speaking too fast, you know, uh, using slang or local vernacular that maybe they somebody else mightn't understand. So it's important to make sure that in an audio that you're very clear and that you don't um, just do a brain dump that's like kind of no punctuation. Imagine it like just being a verbal diarrhea, if I could use that expression, try to be clear in your messaging and break it into kind of points as opposed to just a big, long uh, voice dump when you're using voice only. Yeah. So uh, we've now hired a whole team of virtual assistants. We've got them set up on project management tools and uh, they're communicating well. Um, But maybe there's a few problems starting to creep in. When should you fire a virtual assistant? Okay, so this this is a great one, right? Because often, sometimes people wait too long to get rid of someone and other times people just blame the person straight away and then just keep churning through VAs. So they're two sort of opposite ends of, of a similar problem. So the first step, obviously, I mean, look, recruitment is a very difficult thing to get right. So let's just park that over to the side for a second and assume that you've recruited quite well. You've gotten a good person, but you're noticing mistakes are happening. Stuff's taking longer than you thought. You know, you can't quite put your finger on it. You're wondering, are they doing a load of washing while they're supposed to be working? All these things like naturally creep into your head. But the first step before you go and fire anyone is to sit down and ask yourself, right, there's there's a kind of a process for this. And what I always say to people is before you go and blame the person or shoot the person, right, Let's go back to the chain a bit first and we start to look at the process. And what you want to go is, I wonder, are there holes in the process where my me doing it or someone else doing it has a different thought process than this person? And maybe we need to put in a couple more steps or make something a bit clearer, or maybe there's a training gap there. If you then you you got to tweak all of that or find out where are the roadblocks there. If you've done all that and you're still sort of finding that there are there are holes, etc., you want to start looking at um, and look. I actually went through this exercise with a client recently where we had to look at the tech they were using and what we realized was that the VAs were trying to tap into a system that was in Australia. Now the Philippines is quite far from the servers and it was causing a massive lag that we only through testing we figured out actually. 
causing a time delay in how long it was taking them to do something. And that unearthed a major problem. But we had to go there next to see, like, is it internet? Is it tech? Is it how do things perform in different locations? Um, and then finally, when you're going through all of that, then you have to start looking at the people. But before you blame the person, you have to ask two questions. Is it a skill issue or is it a will issue? Now, dealing with a skill issue first, if it's a skill issue, can the person be trained? on this, or maybe is this above their level, right? So, and that's kind of a call you have to make. You might want to try and train them first. And if they're still struggling, I don't want to use the word firing because that sounds like somebody's done something wrong. Maybe it's time to, you know, part company at that point. Um, but only have, after you've ascertained that the skill issue is not, you can't get over it, right? Um, if it's a will issue, that's attitude, right? Now that can be somebody lying, um, and typically, if you've gone through this whole process and you still can't really quite put your finger on it, it's probably just a wrong fit, to be honest. There's some reason why you guys are not fitting together. Uh, and if your intuition is saying there's something wrong there, probably uh, you probably should listen to that. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got a personal story, actually, a personal experience, which I um, had recently in, in making a transition from working with a VA into actually taking on somebody full time, which explains exactly that. So I had a, a VA who was actually, uh, you know, um, processing the podcast for me and uh, producing it and getting the blog, blogs live and all that side of it. And um, we booked them for about sort of um, between 10 and 20 hours a month. And but we, as we started to layer in more parts of the process in into it so obviously there's things that we want to do in order to promote the podcast we just reached a natural impasse and I realized it wasn't a skill issue at all it was just that and it wasn't even that she you know we could have booked more hours and she could have done it but it just reached a point whereby the number of steps in the process just became too much and overwhelming for her we tried to bring mm -hmm. in an extra team member to then take it on and it just that's the point where skill then broke down so um yeah. what I actually ended up doing um I reached out to one of my the coaches on my team a guy called Stefan um and he his his specialty is finding um people training them up to be leaders and setting them up with um his sprint formula basically which is all based around um scrum and sprint techniques mm -hmm. and using all of the great tools which you just said but anyway he he initially we were like well do we go down the va route and he said well i'll look at the traditional va sort of you know ports of calls so he went on to places like upwork and fiverr and various mm -hmm. other va sort of websites in actual fact we lucked out because he managed to find somebody from Upwork who was based here in the UK. She had a job, but she she graduated and done a marketing degree and just graduated, but was looking for something a bit more solid. And it was like the, the money was right. She was in the UK, so we didn't have to worry about the the, the time yeah. things, very enthusiastic, needed a job at that particular point. So oh, everything kind of fell into place. And I, I suppose my my point here is that we kind of had to go through and it didn't get awkward or uncomfortable, but it just came to a natural end with the, the VA company I was using yeah. after about six months. And we needed to like move things forward. And I need like now it's pretty much a full-time job for Jess to kind of manage the podcast. So I, I totally get it. It's such valuable advice, Barbara. Yeah, it's true. I think as well, the other thing people forget is that hiring people, managing people, delegation is a skill that is not talked about enough in the business community. And it's something that you have to master, uh, just like you have to master marketing and sales and all these things. But there, it's there's less importance placed on operations and delegation is part of operations as is automations and systems and all that kind of thing. But if you don't 
invest the time, energy and money actually in trying to master that as a skill, um, even if it's just you on your own in the business, you end up paying dearly for it and you pay in frustration yeah. and you pay in irritation. Um, and part of being great at delegation is accepting that when you start doing it first and you start in this game, there will be moments where the business will have to slow down for a second so that you can transition or you can make a decision or you pull someone out and put someone new in. And that's just all part of the game, right? It's not that you're failing. It's just that in order to do that, it's going to take time. So, it's all about finding a better yeah. way, isn't it, at the end of the day? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. So um, obviously um, you run the, the, the virtual hub and I want to understand a little bit more about that. But um, you also mentioned that you kind of built this business um, after having a baby as well at the same time um, and, yeah. and finding those high quality sort of virtual assistants. So tell us a bit more about sort of that story. How did that unfold? Yeah, look, actually, I was a business coach. <laughs> look, I was in corporate for 15 years. Here's the short version. I was in corporate for 15 years. Um, and look, if you go me, you can find out all about that on corporate. I kind of wanted to dabble in my own business. So I, I, I left corporate and I started consulting, as we all do. Um, and I was enjoying that. I, looking back, I wasn't really. But at the time, I thought I was enjoying that enough. But I found that all the business all the businesses I was working with, it didn't matter what the business was, online, offline, product, service, anywhere in the world, they all fundamentally had the same problem. If they didn't hire staff, they were never going to be able to grow. And if they didn't grow, they were never going to be able to hire staff. It was like this crevice that they just all were in. Some were in it for 10 years, others in it for a year. Um, and the only way I could really help to work on strategy with the clients was to try to get some staff and teach them to delegate. Um, I had a VA in the Philippines myself because I had read the four-hour work week, no other reason. Um, and I just started getting friends of my VA to sort of help out at the time. Um, and before I knew it, I, I found I was getting phone calls from friends of clients saying, can you, can you get me one of those VAs? I'm desperate. Um, and I just remember thinking over a weekend once, I just think there's, is there a business in this? It was just literally like that. And I did, I put a webinar on to the small list that I had and I found that people were desperate for help with this problem and that I was naturally good at operations. That's kind of the whole thing. Um, now, obviously, we're six years later now. We're coming up to 200 staff. Um, wow. The business has grown exponentially, but it was not simple. Like it, it's, it's you know, nothing is ever linear, right? It's, it looks amazing now. Um, but, you know, those early days were very difficult. I made a lot of mistakes and I, I, I almost got out of the business completely, to be honest, because it was so difficult. Um, uh, but yeah, and I, I had two children at the same time. I'm completely mad. Please don't do what I did. <laughs> Do you I know, always I think, say I have I three many children. Entrepreneurs, many entrepreneurs <laughs> go through a similar sort of journey, though. Like it's that, yeah. that kind of up, ups and downs, and you yeah. kind of just have to weather the storms and then like look look forward to the good times. Basically, there's a, there is a certain makeup yeah. when you run your own business of the sort of person you have to be in order to kind of get through it. Always up leveling, yeah. And you you know you have to love what you do. And I ended up loving it. Actually, I ended up really finding a lot of fulfillment in helping. You know, some of our team have grown great careers with us, and and just you know hearing people say how you changed their lives and even clients like who say, you know, I didn't know the freedom I have now because I learned to delegate. And it's not just the VA, it's the, it's the up-leveling of their mindset to say, I could still be a solopreneur, for example, we've lots of people who are consultants and coaches and I don't need to run a huge team, but I can free myself to grow the business more and do the things I really love to do um, yeah. by actually learning to delegate and then having a cost-effective 
team member that loves to. And some of our VAs have been with our clients for four or five years. What are some of your favorite sort of um, success stories that have come out of uh, both both your staff um, and, and also for your clients as well? What are some of your, some of your best wins? Um, yes. Oh, lots of them. Let me, let me have a think about this. Um, you know what? There was one Christmas. I remember we did a, vo- a, a sort of a voice box thing at one of our Christmas parties. This is back before COVID when you could do Christmas parties. And um, a couple of the team had said that they had worked in call centers because um, we tend not to hire people with um, prior experience. We prefer to hire a type and then we train them ourselves. That's what, the way we do it. Um, but they had said that they had always worked in call centers their whole lives and they had never been able to take Christmas off to go back to the province and spend it with their families. Yeah. And they were like, I'm taking two weeks off and I've just, I'm so elated with the, they just, it was just like a dream for them. And I thought, wow, that's just something we wouldn't even think about in the West, you know, that they would all have been working on Christmas day. And, and that really lit me up. And I, I hear those stories all the time. I hear, you know, of how much I've changed somebody's life from, building the company that we have. We're a very supportive culture. Um, and then, you know, on the client side, there's many stories. If you go to our website, there's actually testimonials all over the, the website of what people have said. But there was one in particular that sticks out in my mind. Um, she was a solopreneur. Uh, she's in Australia. And through working with her VA and learning to delegate, she managed to, I think she traveled around Australia in a camper van while she was still working and she ran her business from wow. remotely and she managed to do this and to really enjoy that. So that was very uplifting. Um, and, and then we have larger companies that have built teams with us and, and, you know, they've been amazing to work with for me. That's been amazing to, to work with some larger companies too. So. Yeah. I've, I've always been a slight skeptic of, uh, um, uh, the four hour work week, which you mentioned, but how realistic yeah. is it? It's not realistic at all. I mean, look, if you, the four hour work week, I think if you want to, it depends. If you've got a bit of a hobby business, maybe anyone that can run a business in four hours a week. Now, have I met people who could run a business part-time and a big business running it part-time? Yes, I'm one of them. I have two children. I'm quite hands-on with my own children. I don't, I think I work more than part-time at the moment, but work 20 or 25 hours a week and cope, you know, and, um, but the four hour work week, no, I think that's more of a hobby thing. If you're, uh, you can't, you know, I don't know, maybe you can get somebody on the show who can refute me on that, but well, I don't think I you can grow a business doing that. I need that. Tim Ferriss to come on and refute it, but it's, it's funny, isn't it? Tim Ferriss, who wrote the book seems to be like the hardest working guy out there. But I, again, it's about the DNA makeup of an entrepreneur. We all just love what we do and we can't not work. It's yeah. just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. I love what I do as well. So, you know, I don't think I would ever want to just retire and not do anything. I'd be bored. Yeah. yeah. It's that, well, $10 million question. If you won the lottery and you won $10 million, like, you know, what would you do? And my, my first answer is, oh, well, I go straight to work the next day. Why would I not want launch to work? Launch a business. I'd just be <laughs> yeah. $10 million I'd probably richer. launch a foundation. Yeah, I'd probably absolutely. launch a foundation or something. I'd want to do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same, same for me. I've always dreamt of, um, I want to run a little sort of, um, uh, like not like a co-working space, but um, an incubator yeah. for small business owners, so that they they can get access to free advice, good quality free advice. Yeah, um, you know, because I think that's one of the things in this day and age. You you literally can't get any type of business education really without 
having to pay for it. Um, I mean, albeit, you know, that said, Clubhouse has been an absolute revelation because you can log into there and if you get into the right room and with the right yeah. expert, you can get some really great, like, free advice at the moment and jump up and ask questions and things like that. But, mm-hmm. but even still, if you then want to go into depth with it and have some help with the accountability, coaching always costs you money. And I'd actually like to have a, an incubator whereby people kind of get the coaching but without necessarily having to make the investment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think as well, look, I, you know, for anyone listening, who's thinking about this coaching thing as well, I mean, you know, if get, getting the right coach is key that, that sort of works with your energy and your way of being, but also these days, I mean, online, you know, there's so much stuff out there. It can be overwhelming, but if you, if you can just, the power of singular focus is kind of, you know, a, a sense of urgency and the power of singular focus, not, not trying to do too many things because people underestimate, um, what you can do, sorry, they overestimate what you can do in a day or a week, but you underestimate what you can do in 12 months. If you just slowly like take one thing at a time, and just inch forward all the time with, with uh, what you're trying to build. So what are you working on next with the virtual hub? Where, where's Barbara taking the business? Yeah, we're actually at a really exciting time. And and like I said, you know, we're six years old now. um, And, you know, it's a whole backstory on that, on, on, you know, the the good times and the bad times. And and I, I like to share that because I think like what you said about coaching can be expensive, whatever. You can learn a lot from hearing the backstories of people who've actually built businesses and the painful times and all that kind of thing. Um, so we're at a stage where we, it's a compliment from our clients to us that they are constantly asking us, you know, they seem to trust what it is that we're doing. Uh, and it's hard to get it right. And they, they, they ask us for stuff that's outside of scope, for example. Can you guys find me this? Can you, can you guys do content? Can you guys do, you know, even podcasts and managing podcasts and all this kind of thing. So my vision for the virtual hub was always to have loads of VAs that are really well trained and and this amazing collaborative culture. And then kind of in the middle have this, the hub, which was, you know, the expert level stuff. So we're about to launch for our clients only at this point, um, a, a service called the content machine. And it's for people who need to churn out blog content uh, and repurpose it all the time. That, there's demand for that. Um, and the other thing we're launching is that all of our clients now, we, we've launched this thing called the pod concept. Uh, and every client gets, we don't just give you a VA, we give you like an entire operational framework um, plus an ecosystem of support. So every VA has a results coach and every client also has the results coach. And their job is to help make sure that we know what your goals are. And then are we actually, so the VA is there to do the work, but the results coach is there to make sure like, do we have training needs? You know, where are the gaps? How long is this all going to take? Um, and then every client has a client success manager. So we've, we've launched an, an entire client success team and our whole forward strategy is about um, client success because that's actually what brings you the business in the end. That, that's really the key. When you made the the jump to set the business up in the first place, how scary was that? Well, the first place wasn't because I didn't intend to set it up. Like I said, it was kind of an accident. And before I knew it, I found myself in business. I was like, oh my God, we've got 10 VAs. This is a, I don't know what I'm doing here, but um, the big scary part was two years later when I decided to incorporate in the Philippines. That was a big Uh move. And I made them all, I think I had 60 staff and we turned them all into employees and the cost of it was enormous, but it was the right thing to do. And today, you know, we are a fully fledged Philippine company. We have health cover for everybody on our team. You know, we're, we're really going for it. We have our own brand in the Philippines. We want to be like 
an employer of choice and we want to have a cool culture and all that kind of thing. So it's not just client side, it's actually like employee side as well. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. I hope that inspires some people as well, just to kind of take action, because I, th- I think what you've set up there is is really wonderful. A um, couple of questions then just to kind of wrap up. So how can people get hold of you if they want to know more about the virtual hub? Sure. We actually have a special page for you guys. If you go to thevirtualhub.com forward slash fearless on there, we've got a little mini guide to help people um, understand the reasons people fail with VAs and how how to fix it. And there's also a scalable success, uh, business success formula, little e-course there. Uh, That's from me. So it's just some of the tips we've been talking about here. And you can also book a call there if you want to speak with any of our consultants about whether, you know, we're a fit for you and how we might be able to help. So yeah, head along there. Excellent. We'll share, make sure we share that link into the show notes as well. So everybody can get hold of that and go and connect with you. Um, Right. Final question then, Barbara, and I did prep you about this earlier on. So we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine. Uh, It's a bit better than the DeLorean and back to the future. If you remember that Um, this one actually works. So you get to punch in the date. So what year would you go back to? And what would you say to Barbara T minus X years? Yes, I would go back to probably the beginnings of the virtual hub. Um, and I would I would go back and tell myself to take my own advice. So although I was doing I was doing webinars about delegation at the time, and although I was doing that, uh, I think I should have at that stage actually gone and learned from even more people doing that. Uh, better than myself to because I learned a lot over the following five years, you know, about what not to do. And and I will probably learn more over the next five years. So these days I I'm a huge follower of Michael Gerber and like all, all the guys that are out there talking about, you know, systems and processes and team and leadership, like how to how to bring the best out of your people and not just be for process focused and think about the people first. So yeah, I would have, um, I think I could have done more to educate myself even more. Maybe my ego needed to have a beating at the time. That's what I need more than <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> well, I think that's it. I think you do have to, you know, fail and struggle a little bit in order for yeah. things to turn out like even better because, you know, what you have created is pretty remarkable. And you could argue that if you had listened to somebody and assumed that what they were talking about was actually the right piece of advice, when inadvertently it wasn't, yeah, it could have turned true. out very different. It could have just been a, a white labeled version of somebody else's idea. And that's not what you've, well, it's not what you've No, created. and this is very organic, actually. You're right, actually. That's a good point. I don't think I should, yeah, that's a really good point. So thank you for sharing that because everything at the Virtual Hub actually has been built from, every time we got negative feedback, we, we'd get angry and then we'd be like, what can we change in our process to make sure this doesn't happen again? And we did that from the employee side and the client side. And if you do that week on week on week on week, you end up with a powerhouse that was is built by feedback, you know, which is the hardest thing to do. But if you take it and wear it and listen uh, and and believe what people are telling you, then that's, yeah, that's what Absolutely. we do. Well, it goes back to, right back to the start in terms of the lean business approach, the lean startup by Eric Reese is one of, one of my favorite books. Yeah. That was the second um, business like self-development book, which I ever read. Um, the, the first one being built to sell, which you can see over my shoulder there. That's my um, favorite book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so I, I think there's, there's a lot which people can learn from that. Listen, Barbara, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for um, joining us today on the podcast. Uh, yeah. uh, we'll keep in touch. Um, and I'd love to hear how your story is continuing over the years to come yeah thank you so much for having me 